0: Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shanik. And I'm Corey. And as always, we appreciate you listening today. And also we would appreciate it if you would just share the post out on social media. We would love to have your friends and family join us in
1: this conversation. Or send it in a message. Send it via text messaging. Share the link. That would be awesome. Do it.
0: Yeah. So question of the week this week
1: is, what is your favorite uh, comedy skit? Favorite comedy skit? Oh my goodness! This is going to be revealing. Don't judge us based on the comedians. Yeah, please don't judge to. us. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. What just came to my head right now? There's this stand-up guy that is a little bit overweight, but he does his bit shirtless. I think it's Bert. I'm going to look it up real quick. Bert. He he has this skit about. Being in Russia and it is hilarious. But I don't listen to this guy it. on a regular basis. I think it showed up on like my Facebook and I watched like the 10 minute clip of it. Uh Bert Krischer. Krischer. Krischer, Krischer whatever how you ever say his name. He does this Russian skits hilarious. But like I'm always a I don't know, you I'm a kind of Dave Chappelle guy back in when he was doing oh, yeah. the skits. The oh, yeah. black white supremacist is a hilarious skit. The R. Kelly, I want to pee on you. <laughs> yeah. Can I say that? I just <laughs> said that opening. Thing.
0: <laughs> Dude, Dave Chappelle has some like bangers, man. They're so awesome. And Key I love
1: copying them. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I yeah. watch a lot. But I'm of gonna these. have to
0: go look up this Bert Chavez. What what was his name again? Kreischer. 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 Okay, I gotta go look that up. I haven't seen it. It's pretty funny. All right. I think for me, um, again, no judgment here. But it's the uh, Cat Williams skit, Lil Ting Ting. Po Lil Ting Ting. And I love it because he based it off of a real life story of a dude yeah. that has no legs and he has like metal, like curve things for his legs now. And he competed at the Olympics, but the, he was disqualified and they said that he had <laughs> an unfair advantage. And Cat Williams does this whole thing. He's like, what do you mean? Dude's got no legs. <laughs> <laughs> he wins a race with these
1: fake legs, and then they disqualify him. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, but I mean, hilarious. here's the
0: deal. If you can get past uh, his language, like it is actually pure gold. Yes. Oh my gosh! There,
1: we could sit here for a whole episode and talk about different skits that we've seen. Who's the guy that sits oh. first class? He's real clean. Um, I don't even want to look at you. Yeah,
0: not even in my peripheral. It's a guy who's on an airplane. He's talking about first class. That? I don't know his name. Reggie would know it because he was no. here last week. But it's one of his. He actually introduced us to this guy. He's Super clean. I, why am yeah. I? He's a clean guy. Is. I don't know, but he talks about first class. passengers. Is it Jim no, Gaffigan? No, it's not. You no, know, no, it's not Jim Gaffigan. It's a different dude. Oh, whatever. And he said in first class, like they just have that little curtain. <laughs> (laughs) It's like, what the frick? One row difference, shut it. I don't even want to look at at the people back (laughs) in coach. (laughs) (laughs) So so what are we talking about today? Man, we just want to pick up where we left off last week, just in the conversation with Reggie uh, Mm -hmm. about finances. Um, He just talked talked about the importance of our stewardship. And we just thought it'd be great if we just take some time to continue that conversation. And then maybe uh, end today with just some practical advice we can leave uh, with people. Um, a lot of it's going to be from Dave Ramsey and his baby steps. Cause we both have been students of Dave Ramsey have went through financial peace university. There is a few things that I do, maybe a
1: little different mm-hmm. and that's okay. And we'll talk about that too, yep. but, uh, but yeah, let's kick it off. Yeah. I think it's so important that we talk about finances because Typically in church culture, people get really like eerie around finances and I get why sometimes it can be manipulated from a stage, but we really want to help people thrive around finances. Cause the reality is, as I work more with young people and college students, and when talking about debt and finances, so many young people don't have the concept or understanding of what debt will do to them in the future. So, oh, I'll just put it on credit or, oh, I won't think about that. Or I'll just go to school and it'll cost me $40,000. And before you know it, you graduate and you have $160,000 in debt. And so we love this concept uh, about money. We love talking about it. We love having individual conversations with people. So if if you don't budget or you're curious about those next steps, again, we're not financial gurus, but we can help you take those next steps call us, email us. We'd love to set up a meeting with you and go over some financial steps. We're going to give you some of our basics. Really, it is the baby steps of Dave Ramsey. But I really want to kind of intro this certain podcast around debt, around finances, because, you know, a lot of people have opinions about finances, but there's not a lot of wisdom about it. And I'll never forget. I know I shared it last week on the podcast. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Um, And this is where everything shifted with money for us. We're around a table. There's about 20 of us, Tony Fitzgerald there. And he says, there's two types of Christians, those striving for the blessing and those living from the blessing. And then he went on to say, you know, what's greater than needing a financial miracle is not needing one. And I remember thinking there, like kind of what we talked about last week is, oh my gosh, I was taught so poorly about finances and that was revolutionary for me because you know like we get so weird about money talk in the yeah, church
0: yeah because so many people are out there just praying to like hit the lottery or something and they think that that might change their life and of course it would but the chances that happen are minimal but you know there's a 100% chance if you actually steward what you've been given well and if you actually you know work with your hands work with your mind using your talents and, obi- and abilities to actually just do stuff and do something and use the money that you get wisely and steward it well, then you
1: will have a place where you
0: get to live out that, that blessing of that.
1: Dude, I'm so glad you just said that. It just triggered a thought. I believe, we believe that God wants you to be prosperous, but it's not prosperity gospel. Here's where people are like, oh, that's prosperity gospel. God wants you to be prosperous. You got to live dirt poor. No, that's not true. God does want you to be prosperous, but prosperity gospel is just believing and praying that it's going to happen just because you're a Christian. That's not what we believe. True prosperity is using your gifts and talents, working with your hands, the different things, passions that you have, pursuing those passions, and making good money to empower not just your family's blessing, but to empower the kingdom of God to expand. Jesus was around wealthy people all the time. In fact, if you actually look at the people that he surrounded himself with, we could go into a whole lesson teaching you that the people he was surrounded with had good income and pretty much funded his ministry in the years that he was doing ministry. And so uh, we want to encourage you. Yes, God does want you to be prosperous, but it's not just going to happen because you think you're good or because you give or because you go to church or because you have your life disciplined in certain areas. If you're not disciplined around finances, you'll never be prosperous. And I do believe that God wants us to be prosperous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just really think, I just want the, the, the listeners to hear this. When we say even like, whatever you, whatever you're working at, whatever your hand finds to do, scripture says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart. And so working with your hands, that doesn't just mean, you know, you're, you're a roofer or a contractor or whatever. You could be a writer, you could be a blogger, you know, you could be a chef, like what whatever your hand finds to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, do it with all your heart. And, and I think that as you reap the benefits from that, if you steward
1: things, well, like I said, you're, you're going to live at a place where you begin to be prosperous. Yep. And people will never be able to thrive in life when they're stuck paycheck to paycheck. And this is why we're talking about this. So until you begin to look at your financial legacy and think about it, greatness will not be in your future. If discipline is not in your present, And I love what you said. You said it years ago, I wrote it down, is people can't pursue their dreams when they're drowning in debt. So finances are a big conversation. A lack of discipline and realistic written goals or unrealistic written goals are, or no, a lack of discipline and realistic goals are why 65% of athletes are bankrupt within five years of retiring and 70% of lottery winners are broke within five years of winning. And depending on your source, 74%, 81% of working Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and 71% of Americans don't have six months worth in an emergency savings account. That is boggling.
0: Right. And so that's why we're having this conversation today, because that's the first step to begin the conversation, to open your eyes, to realize, man, like right now, maybe you're not winning with money and that's okay but at least beginning the conversation of, man, I want to not live paycheck to paycheck. I want to, um, what do you say at
1: 71%? 71% don't have a six month emergency savings account.
0: Yeah. And so, man, so when a thing like COVID happens and Mm -hmm. people are out of work or, you know, all of that, they were worried and living in fear and part of living a life following after Jesus is a life with no fear. And so then a part of that has to be, uh, you know, where we are secure and sound and not worried about our finances because mm-hmm. we've lived a certain way, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I think, I just think it's important
1: to have this conversation. Yeah. TD Jake said it. Uh, he says, we create a culture that buys what we want and begs for what we need. And our biggest problem is we've tied our emotions into our finances. When you live in denial, you will be waiting for deliverance in a situation that requires discipline. And I love that because I was always taught to trust God for His provision, but I was never taught how to manage it. And I think that's where people are missing the mark. So the reality was, is I lived with a spirit of lack or a spirit of frugality, and not not in a good way, because I didn't understand the spirit of abundance that was already given to me because of Christ. And so I lived striving to receive a financial blessing instead of realizing that I already possessed it. It was just mismanaged. And so we want to encourage you today to get disciplined around this area, is we're going to give you the Dave Ramsey, I think there're what, 9 baby steps or seven seven, 7 7 baby steps. We're going to focus on the first 3 like really really to really help in you yeah. cuz they work. And I get that some people aren't in this season or some people are past this season or some people are like, "Oh, why are you guys Dave Ramsey guys?" Get listen. We listen to a lot of different perspectives on money, but we will always come back to these seven baby steps because not only did they work in our lives, but we've led classes that they work in people's lives. Sure, you can advance in different places and sure you can advance in leveraging debt in the housing market. We won't encourage you off the bat with that just because we believe that these steps are important. The
0: majority of people out there just need some financial peace. Mm -hmm. They don't need to learn the next get rich quick scheme. They just need to know how to, shore up their foundation of where they're at right now. And I do want to go back for a second. Um, I'm just going to be a little bit uh, open right now and transparent. You mentioned like emotion playing a big role in our financial decisions. And sometimes emotion will overtake discipline in areas if we're not sometimes not only super disciplined, but I think it's more if we haven't had processes or time to think through things well in advance. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and I know even uh, a a recent podcast, you mentioned like one thing you hate maybe more than anything in the world is car problems and Mm -hmm. having to deal with it and the uncertainty around it. And you're not even sure if if you go to a mechanic and they tell you, you need this, okay, you're just going to do it. You know what I mean? And all the stuff surrounding that. And so uh, Mel and I were at a place that her, her car, she had a Chevy Suburban. It was causing all kinds of problems. Matter of fact, after like two years, two and a half years owning it, we'd already put seven, $8,000 in this car. And one thing after another, after another, just kept going on. Like, I really do believe we, we got a lemon because everyone said, oh, get a Suburban. They're best. They're, they'll last forever. They want no problems, man. We had, and you know, this, we had mm-hmm. problem after Constantly. problem. Constantly. And then after the last problem, we're like, that's it. We're done. Like we were so like emotionally a wreck over this car. We went out and we did get a car payment. And to this day, it's still the only payment that we have or only debt that we have is a car payment and that's it. But we did it in a state where we were emotionally frustrated and Mm -hmm. we made, it wasn't an impulse decision, but it was still a decision that, you know, looking back, we made it, but I wish we would have been a little bit more disciplined. So emotion- plays a big role. So you regret in it? This. You regret
1: it?
0: Well, I regret it because I thought it was like Melanie's dream car, but it turns out it's really not. <laughs> so the fact we're paying on a car that she really doesn't absolutely love, that's driving me crazy. So right now we're in the process of saving. We're about 75% of the way there to just go ahead and pay it off. We got probably I don't know, another six to eight months to save up and then hopefully get that thing out, out yeah. of the way.
1: Cause you know, you're, you even preach against what you did. Oh, <laughs> I, I, yeah,
0: I preach from stage. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't freaking go get a car payment. Don't get this. And of course, but I, the emotion and I go through yep. all the justification. Yep. I have zero debt in the other places. Yep, We make enough money. We save enough money every month. And so let's just go do it.
1: Yep. And it's not so much about the debt as much as it is of thinking long-term in, okay, you're going to be paying for this car with payments, but you're actually spending how many more thousands on a car that's not worth that you'll never see back because you lose, what is it, like 25% within the first two years of the car driving it off the lot. And so that statistic could be wrong. I don't know exactly what yeah. the statistic is. You still is. money when you drive it off yeah. the lot. And the reality is, is, yeah, car payments you're paying so much more in interest for a car that's not worth that. Yeah. And no, absolutely. If you could just be disciplined in a certain area to save up, maybe drive a beater a couple more. The, the whole I deserve mentality is why people make so many terrible decisions. Oh, I got my first job, or I I do have a good savings account. I deserve this car. Yeah. And then two, two years later, you're like, why am I still paying $300 a month for this? Payment. Right. And for us, it wasn't even an I deserve conversation. And I, that is the mentality
0: that I do not like. And Melanie will tell you, I'm so far against that. But this mm-hmm. is, this was honestly, strictly out of emotional frustration. Yep. There was no, Oh, I deserve this. So let yep. me go get it. It was all like, well, people do that. I'm at the end of my rope. There's no way I'm going to the mechanic and spending my money, more money on maintenance and me- not, not maintenance. Cause you have to maintain a car. But like all the yeah, troubles, I'm just not it. doing it. I'm, I, I need something newer, I less miles. It. I just am not going to do it. But anyways, I just wanted to share that story just yeah. to let the listener know like it ain't like, we're two perfect dudes up here doing everything exactly right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am, but... Well, I don't know about <laughs> that. Kidding. We can have another conversation about that.
1: <laughs> Are you going to throw me under the bus on right now? <laughs> no, I'm not.
0: I ain't going to throw you on Do the I the have bus anything just... to throw
1: under, me under the bus? I don't know. There might be some things. <laughs> oh, we're going <having> to talk <laughs> off the off the record. <laughs> no, so where do you good. start? No, you're where good. Where do we start? According to Dave Ramsey, you start with baby steps. And you, again, you might hate Dave or disagree with some of his tactics, but these baby steps do work. And so we want to encourage you guys around... Really, we'll tell you all seven, but we want to focus on these first three because these first three are so important. What's baby step number one?
0: Yeah, baby step number one is a uh, $1,000 in an emergency fund. And, and this why is so important?
1: This is so important because, like we said, what, 75, 71% of Americans don't have a six-month emergency fund, which we'll talk about that in baby step three. But so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. A COVID happens, and they don't have the money because they haven't been Diligent in saving or disciplined in saving, and so the first step is save a thousand dollars. You don't do anything else except for paying yeah. your normal minimum, bills, minimum payments you on things. Focus your heart and soul in getting a savings account of a thousand dollars, and this is for emergencies only. Like this isn't for oh, you saw a shoes on sale and you wanted to get them, or this is a great deal. This is emergency only. Kids going to the ER yeah. or like your tires happens. blow out. Yeah. yeah, life happens. Emergency only. Most of you should be able to do that just by moving money from an account. Some of you have to work really hard yeah. with getting Pick to Pick up that an extra job. A thousand, you know, yeah. Maybe you have to sell some things around the house. Mm-hmm. step thousand dollars, ste- yeah. baby step one. Baby yeah. step two is then getting rid of all debt using the debt snowball, as he calls it. So you can yeah. explain a little bit more. Yeah, so, and I love the, the, the model that he
0: does with this debt snowball. And he said- And Dave Ramsey says that it doesn't matter interest rates you're paying because some people think oh I need to pay off the highest interest rate on Mm -hmm. on all my debt first but he said um, that it's not a math problem that got you into this so a math problem won't get you out of this and so quit worrying about the math like line them up smallest to biggest and there's a reason and the reason is that when you start paying off those small things you actually build some momentum you actually get some more easy victories, and mm-hmm. you start to see it's a it, psychological take, issue. Yeah, yeah, and so you begin to taste what it what it feels like to get out of under the bondage and this debt that you have, paying off those whatever fifty dollar Target cards and two hundred dollar credit cards and past bills that you've owed. Like get those little things out of the way, and then work your way up to the bigger ones. And then when you pay off the smaller one. Then take everything that you have and put it towards the next, next biggest one while you're still making minimum payments on all the high ones mm-hmm. and just keep rolling that. And then eventually you'll be able to make some pretty massive payments on those massive bills, maybe like a student loan or like a vehicle. And so mm-hmm. you just start chunking money on it. And before you know it, I mean, I think Dave Ramsey says most Americans could get completely out of debt. I think he said in two years, 24 mm-hmm. months, if mm-hmm. they got super intense and watched what they spent, well, he got calls on a it budget, something he yeah, calls gazelle it
1: gazelle intense gazelle intensity and uh this might be a baby step that you're on for yeah for a couple months maybe a couple years but it's possible to attain and it's possible to become debt free you'll have to tell your money where to go so a budget is extremely necessary in this season of life we have examples after examples of meeting with people i'll give you two i, I met with a, a a guy um he he wanted to do a budget never done a budget before he's owns his own company. So you think he'd be super successful. And I mean, he is successful, but he went down the the light items and didn't realize that he was spending $600 a month in going out to eat. That's not grocery bill. He had a separate budget for groceries. He just realized, you know, Oh, 10, 15, $20 for lunch every day adds up. And he was spending $600 a month. And he was like, man, that's easy. I can, I can cut that in half or cut that in Almost all of it and start packing my lunch, you know, and, and mm-hmm. put my money. And so, like, doing a budget is so important because most people that have never done a budget don't realize where their money's going. And it's eye opening to do this. So, we encourage you, yeah. we can get you these budgets for free that give you percentages yep. of where certain things should go. But just yeah. do a and budget. And sit down
0: a couple times a year. Some things change. Your your lifestyles change a little bit. And so it's not like, okay, we did a budget five years ago. We're good. Yeah, you, It's a continual thing, a couple times a
1: year, yeah. at least a review, if nothing changes, to review it. And you have to get serious about this aspect of your life. Like get disciplined around finances because if you—the uh, scripture, I know Reggie said it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it's in Proverbs where he says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his kid's kids. And so if you're not thinking long-term generationally, generational blessings, then what what are you doing with your life? Like, I want to be able to, and this was a personal vendetta for me, like I want to be able to set my grandkids up for success and and not just give them a chunk of change, but teach them the principles of financial discipline so that they can be a blessing to everybody they walk into. That's the reality. What's baby step number three?
0: Number three is save three to six months of living expenses. So. And this is where that, what you brought up earlier with the COVID situation mm-hmm. or loss of 71% a job of or a Americans move or, I mean, who knows a death, like there's so much things that can cause severe, like stress and trauma and change and transition where like, if you had that three to six months to just breathe a little bit, you'd be able to make also better decisions mm-hmm. on the next step or yep. the next season or the next job.
1: If you had that. Yep. And three to six months, that's you guys figure out how much would it cost you to live for three to six months with no income. That's what that means. And so you figure out how much your house payment is. Oh, and by the way, your house payment isn't considered a part of baby step number two. It's the only thing that is not considered a part of your debt snowball. We'll get to that. I think that's baby step four or five, uh, baby step six, which is pay off your house. Um, we're not talking about house payments, but for the three to six months, your house payment, your utilities, um, food, gas, all of the things that you would use on a monthly basis with no income, figure out that number. Right. So for me, that's $5,000 uh, a person. So, and that's conservative. So we have a separate account because there's four people in my family, a separate account, 20,000, that's our emergency fund. You might think that that's unrealistic and, and you can't get to that figure out what works for you 3 to 6 months i was i'm super like conservative around this topic so we have 6 months saved for my entire family if anything were to happen we'd be good for 6 months you can always find work within 6 months so yep
0: absolutely yeah
1: and i don't have even quite that much for yep. a family of 6
0: but you determine what it is for you in that yep. 3 to 6 month range and um, and do it. But I got a few other things. The reason why mine is a little bit lower as well, because I do have some real estate investments and yeah. some rental properties. One of them that is completely clear and paid, you know, quit, yep. paid off. And so if I had to, our family can move into that as well. And so you calculate all of that stuff Yep. and you, and you keep thinking about it yep. and what it looks like.
1: And baby step three replaces baby step one. You no longer have your thousand dollar emergency. Yeah, that goes this, into that. This is baby step three is your new starting game. It's your three to six months. And you don't touch it. You don't invest it. This is for emergencies only. Yep. It's awesome. All right. Baby step four is invest 15% of your income into retirement. Into retirement. Now, if you haven't had the conversation around retirement, you're not too old. Okay. Even if you're in your 40s and you haven't started, like, get on it. You're not too old. But starting young has proven over the track record of the United States market, Mm -hmm. the younger you start, the better your compound interest will grow and the better you'll have it in retirement. So if you're young, 20 something, and you've never heard the terms like Roth IRA or uh, 401k, come talk to us. Yeah. And
0: if you're a parent, I would encourage you to show some things to your kids. You can go out and Google uh, Ben and Arthur um, retirement investment, just type in Ben and and Arthur, and you will find the comparison of someone who starts at uh, 23 and puts like a thousand dollars a year for 10 years and then stops, or someone who starts at like 35 and puts it in for 30 straight years, um, like three thousand dollars a year, something like that. And uh, Ben, who started at like 21 or 23 or whatever it is, has like five times the amount. It,
1: it's it's fascinating when you show all your of chance. that might not be accurate. What he just said, I'm but it, pretty sure it's, it's a good. It's, it's close. Good, it's close enough. That's why I said Google it. Go I don't Google have it, it in front of me. <laughs> I just know it's go, going Go, Go Google it. Are you what, Googling it right now? I need to because then
0: I'm going to see it's not even Ben and Arthur. It's somebody else. But you oh. go ahead. Baby Step 5, for College, what you got?
1: Baby Step 5 is safe for College. Um, ed- Indiana, if you don't know, Indiana has the best 529 plan. It is Ben and Arthur. I've just looked it up. But he started at 19, and then Arthur, Arthur started at 27. But you were you were close.
0: and that was off the top of my head, too.
1: So, it, it was man, give me a little credit. It was good. No, no, no. You're good. So, saving for your kids' um, education. Uh, Indiana has the best 529 plan in all of the United States. They will give you back if you invest in this specific fund. Indiana will, the Indiana 529 plan. The Indiana 529 plan. They will give you back 20% of what you put into it up to $5,000. Yeah. So like if you put- Right five, away. Right away. You get it back on your taxes yep. the next year. Yep. And so, for this example, one. if you give $5,000 to this educational 529 plan, they will give you 1000 back on your- um, State income. Not every value, year, but- state income taxes. Every year you put in, they give you yeah. 20%. So it's an
0: immediate 20% return immediate 20%. on your investment. 20 You don't get return. that anywhere. And then it grows- Guaranteed
1: we've been growing like anywhere from 4 to 10%. It grows. And so we started this when when Scarlett was born in 2016. The awesome thing about the 529 plan is it can transfer kids. It can transfer to your friends kids if you want. It has to be used only for education, so there are some some conversations if you are in this in this baby step of what's the best step for education and are my kids even going to pursue education and should I just set up a fund where it's a gift. We have a lot of knowledge on this. I actually just went through this with my financial guy and uh, we figured out that the best one is just this, even if it's not, even if my kids don't go into any schooling and I can't use it, it's a 10% penalty to take it out. But it, I got 20% every year and it's growing at four yeah. to 10. Yeah. So what's 10%? Well, you only
0: get 20% of
1: what you actually put in that year. Yeah, but yeah. It, I still got 20% of what I put in and yeah. then it grows and 10% penalty, it makes sense that's, uh, yeah. But the cool thing is you can
0: send the link to friends, to family. I know, uh, my grandma mm-hmm. every year on their birthday puts money into their, uh, Indiana 529 plan mm-hmm. and she does that as a gift. But guess what? She gets that, whatever she gives, she gets 20% on her state taxes back. Yeah. When she
1: files. That's pretty awesome. What's number six. Yeah. Number six pay is the house. Uh, pay off the house, pay off the house. So you just got to do what you got to do to pay off the house. We're on, we're on a schedule. We actually, we just sold our house. We had to get another bedroom for our adoption process to start our home study, which is a different story for a different day. But we were three years away, two years away. No, at the time we sold the house, we were three years away from having our first home completely paid off. And that's because we were disciplined with a budget. We set down a set amount of money. Okay, this is what we want to, we didn't have, we don't have any debt. We only had a house payment. We're putting away into retirement. We're putting away in our education, 529, everything that was extra per the year went towards extra house payments because we wanted to do that. Now we got a much larger house, but we're on, we started over, which is depressing to a degree, but we started over with a much better asset, a much bigger house. And we are on process to paying that off before no. I turn 50. Cause you so, moved, but you're still in the same baby step. So same baby step. Yeah.
0: And then the last one, guys, is just uh, what Dave Ramsey says, build wealth and give. But his whole model is live like no one else so later on you can live and give like no one else. Yeah. And so that's why we get on a budget. That's why we follow some very simple, good steward principles and some wisdom so that we're able to be a blessing
1: for maybe even generations to come. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We want to encourage you guys. Get serious about your finances. Uh, We hate hearing people having to live paycheck to paycheck, not because they don't make enough, but because they mismanage what they have. And this is a real conversation. People get so sensitive around this thing. Oh, I deserve this, or I want this. Okay, but are you thinking long-term? Because if, if God calls us to be generational blessings, one of the greatest way you can be a generational blessing is with your finances, but you'll never be a generational blessing with your finances if you don't get disciplined around it. And, you know, Reggie called me in the in the podcast last, last week talking about every one of us listening is in the top 10% of the world, Yeah, if you think about it. And so we have no excuse. And it doesn't matter what your percentage of income is coming in. Like, it doesn't matter. You can't compare our incomes with people and be like, oh man, if I just had that person, I'd be better off. No, you wouldn't, because you're not better off with your with your income. Right. Because there's someone underneath you that that is saying that same thing. Oh, if I had their income. And so you, you you can't be comparing. You have to get disciplined about yourself. My wife and I, we are in our friend group, we make the least out of almost all of our friend groups, but we're in better financial situations because of our strictness about budget. And yes, we sacrifice on tons of stuff. And so people only see the blessings that we have or the fact that I just bought a new car with cash. Oh, I can't believe a pastor can buy buy that car with cash. Well, you weren't with me over the last 10 years where we sacrificed and I drove a beater for nearly 10 years yeah. and sacrificed in different areas so that we could save, so that we could buy nice things with cash. And so we want to encourage you, quit comparing with your situation, look at your situation, get disciplined in your situation and become that financial blessing that you already are. Yeah. And I love that that last
0: one was to live and give like no one else, that financial blessing you're talking about, not only that you are, but that you can be. And I think it was mother Teresa, like the quote that she always said is no one would know the story of the good Samaritan. If the good Samaritan didn't have money and resources, resources to give. Mm, I love that. And so, yeah, let's be people that live a certain way so that later on we can live and then also
1: give like no one else. Yep. And before we end this, I just want to, I'll just share it. These are my wife and I's personal long-term goals. Big audacious goals that we will never be able to accomplish if we aren't disciplined in the little things. Because my wife's a teacher, I'm a pastor. We don't we don't see ourselves in the foreseeable future making tons of money, so we have to be disciplined. Our long term goals. I have this right in front of me. That's why I'm going to share it. Number one is to own our home fully and retirement fully funded. That's a very realistic goal that will happen before we even need a retirement. Number two is pay off someone else's mortgage. Well, in order to pay off someone else's mortgage, our mortgage has to be paid off. And uh, we have to be financially stable. That's an awesome goal, but I have to be disciplined in my own life. Then if that wants to be a goal, number three is pay for someone else's adoption. We've been saving money for our adoption. We know it's going to cost anywhere between 30 and $40,000. We're halfway there in our savings. We're we're believing that it's going to happen. But I know that in maybe 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be someone that wants to adopt. And my wife and I are going to be an incredible blessing as we just write a check that doesn't affect us in that moment because we were diligent in this moment. And the last one is our craziest one is we want to be able to give a million dollars to an organization someday. It's awesome. And that'll never happen unless we're disciplined now. And so I want to encourage you guys to write out some long-term goals to kind of motivate you in the process because the process isn't fun. We'll just say it. Getting disciplined around your finances is not fun. It sucks, but it will be fun. It will be amazing as you get to be a financial blessing to the people around you because you decided to be disciplined.
0: Yeah. So I really hope that uh, today's episode blessed you. I hope you learned something. And uh, yeah, as always, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.